What is happening, everyone? Welcome to the show. I am Timmy Foodie. I have forgotten my headphones. Hang on a second. Here they are. We got them. Fucking hell. So that's a bit of an early swearing, really, for a sporting roundup episode. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the show, everyone. Um, I guess today I'll talk a little bit about the F1 from the weekend. And um, I guess the main thing is this huge crash that Grosjean had. So we talk about that a little bit and then maybe talk about upcoming race and then maybe a few other little bits and bobs that have been going on not necessarily in the sporting world but I've lost my fucking wake on pen that's a problem with these little fucking things you, know, you always fucking lose them it's probably in the kitchen now me. but anyway never mind I will go old school and use a mouse um yeah so the hang on I've recorded the right channel yeah I have it's alright we're all good it's a bit of an impromptu episode I, I realised it had been when was the last episode? Last week sometime. Anyway, um, I'm waffling. I've just got back from exercising, so I'm a little bit hyperactive. So, um, yeah, the Formula One, I mean, it was a pretty crazy race. Um, well, initially it was. It was pretty boring after that, but um, there's not a huge lot to talk about. Like, Lewis just did his thing, got out front, managed the tyres, kept the pace. Uh, Verstappen was pushing them quite a lot. Um like Max was really trying to push Lewis, which I think Lewis realised because at the end of the race he did say he was having to push quite a lot. Um, but I guess it's the start of the race that's the key point. So turn number three on the first lap, there was a little bit of a scuffle towards the back of the grid. It's coming out of turn three and it goes into a long straight. And all the cars kind of bunched up a little bit because there's something slightly ahead one car kind of went off the track it was all big runoff areas so he was kind of off the track and then there's like three or four cars kind of bunched up and like Grosjean and Kvyat were kind of hanging back a bit and then Grosjean thought he saw a space down the right of this pit of the of the of the straight after turn three because all the other cars were kind of bunched up towards the left and then there was a car that was off the track I think it was Kimi who was obviously going to rejoin the track so he so Grosjean thought, oh, here we go, I've got a chance here, because they're kind of moving a bit slow. So he tried to move to his right, didn't realise Kvyat was almost next to him, but not quite, still a bit behind him, though. And um, Grosjean made quite a drastic turn to the right, which we think was deliberate, but then there was some debris that he drove under um, coming out of turn three. So it could have been a drastic puncture that we, we don't know. Who knows? But anyway... He drove into Kvyat, who was behind him, which just basically speared Grosjean straight into this barrier, which it's very unlikely for a car to crash into in the way that he did. Um, and it it wasn't really a barrier that was designed for that kind of impact. It was almost like completely, not quite straight on. And it was like a, so going on along the straight, but the barrier was slightly angled out you know towards the track and his angle was quite steep in so he went in pr a pretty steep angle um and basically went straight through the barrier and it was one of these like three level um kind of horizontal barrier things and he just went speared straight through it the car split in half ripped open the fuel lines massive explosion fire everywhere he was kind of pinned half in and out in through the barrier essentially luckily the halo was on the car because if it hadn't have been god knows what, what would have happened to him it would have been a serious head impact and um uh so that was my phone beeping um 
so yeah, definitely Salo saved the day there. And then obviously he was still kind of engulfed in flames. And luckily there's a procedure where at the start of the race, uh, there's a there's a car, it's like a safety car, but it's like the doctor's safety car that follows the pack for the first like half a lap. Because that's normally when a lot of incidents happen. So they kind of follow quite close, well, as close as they can, given they're in a much slower car. But um so they came up to the incident almost straight away, pulled over, jumped out the car with their fire extinguishers. And while that was happening, the the um, track safety people were kind of running up to the incident as well. Although one of them, who was like the fire guy, had this fire extinguisher and it was really weedy, like just some really weak little water fire extinguisher like you'd have in some crappy office like it was it was weird he was trying to spray the car but it wasn't doing anything and it was only the fact that these the the other the safety car had pulled up you know next to the incident and they jumped out with their super high power kind of like powder based um fire extinguishers and they just came along and kind of sprayed the car to almost like push the flames back to give Grosjean on that split second to try and jump out the car and like Grosjean was in the car like for up to almost 20 seconds while it was engulfed in flames um which must have been terrifying um and so one of the doctor they're basically these guys are doctors they're not i mean they're trained in obviously fire safety and all that stuff i guess but they're, they're there as doctors one of them was manning the fire extinguisher and the other guy just dove through onto the barrier in the flames, pulled Grosjean out as Grosjean was half getting out and just helped him over the barrier. And the doctor at the time, he was in like an open face helmet, so he didn't have super good fire protection. I mean, he was wearing a fire kind of race suit like they all do, but um, it was crazy. But like I said, the the actual fire marshal who was at that part of the track just had the weakest fucking fire extinguisher. If the doctor's car, like safety car, hadn't been following with their fire extinguishers, I don't think Grosjean would have got out of that thing. Because I, I just don't get why the track people didn't have very good fire extinguishers. It just didn't make any sense. Unless it was some sort of special spray that restricts the spread of the fire. I mean, I don't know, but it was, certainly wasn't putting the fucking thing out. So Grosjean was very, very lucky. And I was lucky that there's these safety procedures in place um, with this doctor's car specifically that follows the, the grid off the track, off the start line. So there's actually a really good um, video on the Formula One, or actually on Sky Sports slash Formula One, dot, skysports.com slash Formula One. There's this um, piece they did last year about that doctor's car and their training and why they do it and possible scenarios for when they might be needed. And so it's really interesting to see um, what they do and you saw them in full effect and they, they saved his life for sure um, it was a combination of the halo on the car helping him and then those um, those doctor guys it certainly wasn't the fucking fire marshal with the weedy little fucking fire extinguisher Jesus Christ like if that happened anywhere else on the track and the, that safety car hadn't been following I, yeah I don't know what would have happened it would have been awful but um, and obviously it was pretty bad because a lot of the drivers saw the fireball and that's not something you see in Formula 1 ever not not for years um, not since they got rid of refueling when you'd sometimes get it in the pits when a, the, you know the fueling mechanism would fuck up and you'd spill some fuel and the thing would just go up um, but yeah, so all the drivers were like, oh, who is it? What's happened? Is he all right? And no one knew at the time because he was in the car for like 20 seconds before he even managed to get out of the car. Then it was probably another 10 seconds before they managed to pull him out and he managed to like jump over the barrier or whatever. So, you know, 
and then they they didn't show any of it on TV. You just saw the initial incident, and then they were just following the background. You know, the cameras were on the the rest of the track. Um, and it was only when they knew Grosjean had got out the car and was safe that they um, and was obviously okay that they showed it on the uh, TVs. And then by that point, most of the the other drivers had come round into the pits. There was an immediate red flag. Everyone came into the pits. They line up in the pits in like the main lane in the pit lane in order that they were in when the red flag came out um, and then the race gets restarted when it obviously can do. Um, so they were all out their cars and then everything was on the TV screens around the stadiums and um, around the track and everyone was seeing what happened. And I think everyone was pretty shocked actually. And then just thinking like having to get back into a car when you've just seen that happen, when that shouldn't have happened, it just, it must've been pretty full on for all the drivers, but I guess it's, you know, that's what they do is they understand the, uh, the risks, I suppose. Um, it's full on though. Pretty crazy. You do not see that every so often. I mean, I, I'd watch the, uh, footage if you can, it was pretty incredible. Um, I mean, luckily he's okay. He burnt his hands a bit and his feet a little bit. Um, but I guess his safety gear and his fire suit saved him a huge amount of injuries. So, um, considering the amount of fire there was it was um incredibly got out with such minor injuries like um so yeah i think he maybe broke a couple of ribs as well so i don't think he's going to be back for the race this weekend because it's a back-to-back weekend but he might be back for the last race of the season which would be his last race of his formula one career potentially because he's not getting um re-picked up by Haas next year so um yeah i don't know what would you do if you were grosjean i wonder would you call that a day and think, God, that was lucky. Let's call it a day there. It wasn't looking like I was getting a Formula 1 seat anyway. Let's just end it. Or do you, given that he might want to continue his racing career in other divisions, do you just jump straight back into it, get over the fear and just get out there again? And then you're ready to rock and roll in Formula E or touring cars or whatever it is he might get into. So, um I don't know what I'd do. He's got a family, like two kids, three kids, something like that. And, you know, so it's like young family as well. So I don't know. Do you just take it as a sign? You know, he's got enough money. He can commentate. He can, I don't know, tricky, tricky. What do you do? I'd say just get back into it because he's still relatively young. You know, he's got a few years left of racing if he wants to. So maybe if you don't get straight back into it, you're going to just be in fear. That's what Nicky Lauder did back in the day when he had his... I mean, he had a huge accident. I mean, he was basically dead. He died um, on the, you know, was revived, got read his last rites. And like literally five weeks after that, he was back in the car and went on to, I think, win the championship. Like, it's insane. Um, he probably wouldn't have been allowed to in today's age because of like medical clearances and stuff. But um, so, yeah, if I was Grosjean, I don't know. I'd say try and get better for the last race and just see it, see out the season, go out on a high and... Um, yeah, and make that not be your last kind of action in Formula One because it's pretty fucking incredible. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do. And I mean, there's questions about safety and did the car do what it was supposed to in that incident? And it was a very unique set of circumstances, like a car crashing into that kind of barrier in that way, so head on. Um, it, yeah, and the the barrier failing like that, but then maybe. You know, it's they're designed to give a little to dissipate the impact, but it was a pretty much, you know, 130 miles an hour to zero in an in instant. So, you know, he's going to have um, 
probably concussion and you know there's all sorts of you know g-force related injuries you can get from such rapid deceleration of the body so like internal bruising and all sorts so yeah it's a tricky one to really see i mean i guess if they'd had those different sort of barriers with the tires and stuff maybe that's would have been better given that impact but because of where it was on the circuit that sort of crash isn't expected but then do you just have to plan for every eventuality and and you know maybe this is going to make it so every single barrier around a formula one circuit has a proper safety wall like one of these tech barriers or whatever they're called um tech train pet train i don't know it's called something like that armco mm, one of the one of the co's anyway so yeah it's an interesting one i mean ross braun is kind of the big head honcho he's kind of looking into all this and they're going to figure it out and and i mean the car technically did what it's supposed to like where the driver sits it's kind of called a supercell so it's like this area of highly reinforced kind of almost like um survival pod almost like it's it's practically indestructible the area where the driver sits right you know right down from his legs through up to his upper body and with the halo around him so that area should always stay intact which is what it did if you see the aftermath of the crash that area is just that's kind of completely separate and the back half of the car just literally split in two but that kind of dissipates the impact as well because it it's almost like a crumple zone in a, in a normal road car it dissipates the force of the impact. So I guess it did what it was supposed to do, but it wasn't supposed to catch fire. So it can only, I mean, Ross Braun thinks it wasn't the fuel tank that went up. It was the fuel lines, which had fuel in it. And it's such highly flammable fuel that, um, I mean, I think it would have been a much bigger explosion if all the fuel had gone up. Cause it was literally first lap, third corner, the tanks were full. Like it was a hundred liters of fuel. So um, it's a lot of fuel. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're just going to figure all this out and see. And I mean, I guess the good thing about incidents like this is it always forces a an increase in safety within the sport. So whether that's looking at how the fuel line systems work or if something failed in that particular moment or how the car broke apart or the barriers, whether, you know, every barrier now needs to be a proper barrier that dissipates impact properly even if it's on a straight where it's not very likely to get that sort of impact but it could happen because it happened here um yeah i don't know we'll see but i'm sure they'll figure it out so we'll hear more of this i mean it's a back-to-back weekend so and it's at the same circuit but it's a different like doing the oval kind of outer circuit around the track so um it's going to be interesting to see what what happens after that and so yeah i mean other stuff that's going on and let me just get a little drink It's my awesome water bottle off um, Amazon from Buzio, B-U-Z-I-O. Highly recommended. It's one of these like double, triple vacuum things. So it's like keeps your stuff super cooled or hot, depending on what you've got in there. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, this race coming up. So Lewis Hamilton caught COVID. Um, it was, even though he was tested three times over the weekend, returned negative results. It was only when he woke up on Sunday morning, no, Monday morning that he felt symptoms and then voluntarily got himself tested. Um, turns out then he got it. And then it turns out someone who was a, an acquaintance of someone he saw, uh, a few days prior to the race did have a positive result. So it, even though he's been super careful, um, 
I guess he yeah he got it unlucky enough to get it so he's obviously a bit disappointed because he was looking at trying to get 100 pole positions this year and winning out the last two races which to be honest he was looking like doing because I don't see anyone beating him at the moment um, so he's disappointed at that you've got then the big question is who's going to replace him for this race I really want them to put George Russell in that car and see what he can do. It's a perfect opportunity to it. The, the you know the championship's over. Mercedes have won the championship. Lewis has won his thing. Williams are nowhere. Um, he really needs to get in that car to see what he can do under proper race conditions. And I really hope they get him. There's rumour that they're trying to get him, but it depends whether Williams are going to release him because they already refused to release him for this year and then they re-signed Bottas. Or no, for next year, I think. Yeah, they wanted him for next year and then they signed Bottas because Claire Williams wouldn't release him because she was being selfish, <laughs> basically. Uh, she's going for um, George Russell. But anyway, whatever. Um, good old Claire Williams. Fucking fuck that team up pretty much, but what are you going to do? Um, well, it's a bit harsh to say that because they have come back quite a lot, but it was, you know letting it get into the position that it got into in the last couple of years. It's not not great, but maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't want to be controversial, but whatever. So, yeah, hopefully George Russell gets that drive because I think he really deserves that opportunity and it gives Williams a chance to get one of their young drivers, um, which is either Dan Tictum or um, Callum Eilert, I believe. Um, they're both racing Formula 2 currently and... Um, are their reserve essentially their young drive in the in the Williams young driver program? So again, it gives a great opportunity for one of them to actually get in an F one car and experience it at a Formula One weekend. Um, and it gives a chance for Russell, who really should be in that Mercedes, to get in it and show what he can do in a high pressure environment. So hopefully that happens. If that doesn't happen, Stoffel Van Dorn, who drives in Formula E, is technically the Mercedes reserve driver. So but he's not driven in Formula One for quite a while. So if it was me, I'd want Russell anyway, just because he's currently driving an F1. So he'd be the best bet. And it just gives younger drivers from Williams, you know, development uh, to, you know, give them a chance. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's the way it happens. Toto Wolf. I think will try his best to make that happen that way, I believe. The other option is you've got Nico Hulkenberg who could probably just jump in any F1 car on the grid and put it where it's supposed to be, which is just increase such an incredible talent. And he should be in Formula 1. It's a crying shame that he's not. But um, So he could get the call-up maybe, so who knows. Um, and it's quite a unique track as well. It's basically like uh, three long straights and a couple of little curvy bits, so it's a really interesting circuit, so it's going to be quite cool. But... Um, should be an interesting race with probably quite a lot of passing actually because there's so many straights so um potentially three drs zones as well so yeah he knows what's gonna happen um so yeah that's kind of interesting you've got um has have announced uh, nikita mazepin the russian driver for 2021 for next year so that's one of their drivers who've been confirmed for Haas. Um, so again, if you didn't know, Haas have not renewed the contracts of either of their drivers in Roman Grosjean or um Oh, uh, what's his name? Kevin Kevin Magnuson. So they're both without a driver next year. So one of their drivers, Nikita Mazepin, has been named. I think the other driver is going to be Ralph Schumacher um, because essentially Haas is like a Ferrari-sponsored type team because they've got Ferrari engines. So um, 
and Schumacher's a Ferrari young driver. So um, that's potentially, I think, what's going to happen. Uh, the other option would have been out for Romeo, but they've confirmed Raikkonen, Grosjean, Grosjean Raikkonen, and um, Giovinazzi for next year already. So, yeah. Um, so that's that. So, yeah, lots of cool stuff going on. Oh, oh, hang on. Breaking news, breaking news. George Russell will get the opportunity of a lifetime when he drives the World Championship winning Mercedes W11 in this weekend's Sakir Grand Prix. This is literally fucking hell. 26 minutes ago this happened. Talk about cutting-edge news on Harmonic Whiskey Tales podcast Formula One special edition. Fucking hell, I better get this episode up quick. Um, all right, hang on, we'll just read this. Oh, look at that. After I was saying all that, I must be a savant or something. Now, that's just someone who's really talented at loads of stuff. What's the word for someone who's psychic? Oh, a psychic, I suppose, yeah. Oh, well, whatever. Um, George Russell will get the opportunity of a lifetime when he drives the World Championship winning Mercedes W11 in this weekend's Sakia Grand Prix in Bahrain as a replacement for Lewis Hamilton, who tested positive for COVID-19. Um, Mercedes opened talk with Williams about borrowing the Briton, who has been backed by the Silver Rowers throughout his career, for the second Bahrain race when it became clear Hamilton was in isolation and would not be able to drive. Um, they eventually came to an arrangement with Williams releasing Russell to drive the Silver Arrows alongside Valtteri Bottas in the penultimate round. Uh, Williams reserve Jack Aitken, okay, there you go, will replace Russell at Williams, joining regular driver Nicholas Atifi. So it'll be good to see what um, Aitken is capable of. He's a real talent, uh, British kid, again. Um, so much awesome British talent in Formula 1 at the moment, uh, and Formula 2, I mean. So that'll be nice to see what he can do. Let's see if he can beat Latifi. I'm guessing he probably will. <laughs> I know... Uh, Criticism of Latifi, but I don't know. Latifi just can't get his head around that car at the moment. Um, uh, so this is uh, George Russell quoted as saying, Firstly, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody at Williams for giving me this opportunity. I might be wearing a different race suit this weekend, but I'm a Williams driver and I'll be cheering my team on every step of the way and probably yelling at them to get out your way when you lap them. Um, I see this is a great chance to learn from the best outfit on the grid right now and to come back as an improved driver with even more energy and experience to help Williams push further up the grid. So that's for next year. Um, a big thank you also to Mercedes for putting their faith in me. Um, obviously, no one can replace Lewis, but I, I'll give all, my all for the team in his absence from the moment I step in the car. And most importantly, I wish him a speedy recovery. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity and I can't wait to get out on track this week. Oh, he must be absolutely stoked, man. He's going to be... I just hope it goes really well for him and it goes really smooth and he has a solid practice session, good qualifying and a clean race so that he gets a full race distance in that car and like hopefully gets it you know, up in the points. Um, so yeah, Russell has an extensive experience driving for Mercedes, having completed six days of running for the world champions since 2017 his most recent run was in last year's end of season Abu Dhabi test so he's not driven this year's car yet um, he made his F1 debut last year with Williams and has marked himself out as a future star with a string of strong drives and impressive qualifying performances in the lower half of the grid yeah he hasn't lost to his a teammate since he's been in Formula 1 in a qualifying session he's like 36 and 0 or something insane like that and that's not like chump drivers that's like uh who was it? It was um, Robert Kubica, it's Nicholas Latifi, and um, Sergei Sorokin, I think, was the other, the Russian dude, I think. And he's, he hasn't lost to any of them. Yeah, 36 and 0. Um, Mercedes rate Russell highly and had considered him for a seat in their team 
this year, only for Williams under then different management to choose not to consider releasing him from a three-year deal. I mean, motherfuckers, honestly, Williams, fucking, I don't know. But then, I mean, I guess seeing what happens has happened to Albon, maybe it's just perfect for Russell because there's no pressure on him and he's just rising up exactly as he should do, you know. And um, it's almost like Max, he, who had like, you know, a season, and well, he had a season and a half for um, uh, Toro Rosso and then went into Red Bull, whereas obviously... Currently, Russell's going to have had two seasons, potentially three, with a lesser team, and then you know get the get the opportunity. So I don't know. Um, our long term partnership with George's affiliation with Mercedes is no secret. Um, so this is this is Williams quoting saying this. Um, our long time partnership with George's affiliation with Mercedes is no secret, and so I'm delighted George has this unique opportunity to join Mercedes, the current constructors champions. Um, said Williams acting team principal Simon Roberts. Yeah, see that's really nice of him. Like they can see, they know he's not their long term solution. They know he's going to be probably racing for Mercedes in the next couple of years. So, um, and he's done so good for them. He's he's got that car into. Q2 more often than it should have rightly been there. Like, really, they didn't have a chance of getting... I mean, Latifi hasn't got that car into Q2 all year. That's really the realistic, you know, pace of that car. He does what Lewis does and what Max Verstappen does and drives a car a lot quicker than it should be driven. And actually, like um, Charles Leclerc does with that Ferrari this year as well, he, he gets more pace out the car. And actually, how Alonso drives as well, he always gets more pace out the car than his... I guess technically in there in terms of it's safely in there let's say um we've been working hard to ensure that an arrangement could be made with Mercedes to allow him this fantastic opportunity George very much remains a Williams driver and we look forward to him returning to us fresh from this experience and wish him a successful race weekend um Russell would also be an option to stay in the car for the final race of the season. Abu Dhabi should Hamilton not recover in time to return to racing. Oh, so that's cool. So they've let him an extra race if that is needed. But I mean, to be honest, it's a, I think it's a 10 day quarantine for Lewis. And that was as of Monday this week. So he should be fine for the last race. So um, given it, as long as he does a, a, uh, a safe uh, test result, I suppose. I mean, I know, Perez was uh, ended up missing two races this year, which, considering Perez's position in the championship, is amazing. Considering he's fourth in the championship, um, I believe, and he missed two races, it just shows his class. And it's amazing he hasn't got a drive for next year. It's just unbelievable. I just, oh, you kind of feel like he should be in that Red Bull, and I like, I want to support Albon because I think he's got so much talent, and I think Red Bull would be right to support him and get him confirming for the car. But like I said, I've said this before, they should have confirmed that earlier this year just to give him the confidence, really. Because there was no... I don't think there's any benefit for them holding off like this. Because if they're holding off like this, they may as well put Perez in the car next year and just get both their cars at the top of the grid as, as much as possible, which they might not happen with Albon. So, oh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's awesome news for George Russell. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. So congrats to George. I hope it goes well for you, mate. Um, I've been singing his praises for a long time now, so I, I really think he's the real deal. So, um, yeah, that's very cool. Very, very cool. Anyway, how long have I been talking for? Have I been waffling a lot? I think I have. Oh, well. Uh, what else is going on? Cricket we could talk about. England have whooped South Africa in the T20s. We beat him 3-0. Fucking have, the, have some of that. Um, David Malan is 
playing sensational. There's no wonder he's number one T20 player in the world. He just can't stop scoring runs. It's amazing. So let's hope that continues. And like Butler's got some form back. I really wanted us to have played Mo Moeen Ali in this in this game just to free him up and try and get him some form because he's really struggling at the moment. And when he plays well, he needs to be. I mean, he's incredible. So I'd have I'd have probably played him for this game instead of. Um, uh, well, I don't know. Would you have dropped one of the scene bowlers? I don't know. I just think it would have been nice just to try and get him some confidence. But maybe he'll make it into the one-day team. Who knows? Anyway, you probably don't want to hear me rattling on about cricket. But there's some good games, entertaining. Um, India are getting whooped by Australia at the moment in the ODIs in Australia, which is... I kind of prefer to see Australia lose, but Steve Smith's playing so well that you kind of want to see him play. But then you want to see Cody play well as well. So I don't know. Anyway waffling a little bit um maybe we'll leave it there and i'll do some sort of gadget roundups or something um in a few days maybe i don't know we'll get dave on scene maybe you've got to get him chatting about recent developments and things so um yeah maybe we'll leave it there and we will be back soon i'm feeling a bit more motivated to podcast a bit more frequently so i don't know why i don't know up and down as as we all are at the moment with all this shit so um yeah anyway cheers for tuning in we'll be back with another episode soon hope you enjoyed my formula one waffle i didn't actually talk about the race very much did i i mean it was pretty fucking boring um i can't even really remember it to be honest with you just the just the first bit so uh, mclaren did really well they got a fourth and a fifth so they've leapfrogged the championship and got up to third, which is incredible for them considering where they've been the last few years. So that's really, really good. And it really goes to show what happens when a Formula One team acts as a team and not just as an individual thing, um, which is the case for like someone like Haas. They drove, the drivers were too selfish in their own pursuits of glory as it were even though they had no chance it was just such a strange mentality which is why both of them have lost their drive whereas you look at how mclaren run and the way the team operates it's that's what's got them into the position they're in these consistent results and then working together and if one driver's faster than the other there's no ego they just let them pass whereas in this race this weekend um renault actually had the opposite happened. Ricardo was quicker the whole race and Icon just kept getting in his way and it, it cost them positions and they're in with this third place chance as well and that cost them a potential, you know, extra seven or eight points or something. So, um, like, they might have leaped for one of the McLarens. Let's just have a look at the constructors and I'll tell you, we'll, um, I'll, sh we'll, I'll show you what I mean. Yeah, so Renault 144, Racing Point 154 and they didn't score any points because it's such, you know, hard luck in the race and then McLaren because they had such a good turnout 171 so you know if Renault would you know if there'd been a you know seven or eight point swing from that that would have got them up to 154 ish tied with racing point and Renault McLaren Renault would have been down in the 160 something 165 164 so it would have been a lot closer but because McLaren are racing together as a team properly, it, that's that's where they're at, why they're at number three. And fair play to them. I really think um, they deserve to get that number three spot this year. They've been, I think, probably the best as a team 
in terms of performances and how they operate and yeah so and i'm a big mclaren fan i always have been so that's great i really hope they get that, that p3 spot that'd be awesome so yeah so it's all to race for really for team for the guys at mclaren renault racing point mercedes and and the renault team um even ferrari aren't too far back you know i don't know if they get a race win or something <laughs> you never know but um yeah i don't know could be interesting it's going to be that's really the reason to watch the next two races is to see who gets that number three spot so um it's all to race for and hopefully they focus on the uh on those teams during the race it makes it a bit more interesting to watch so um but we'll all be watching with uh eyes wide open on george russell in that mercedes i'd really like to see what he can do it's going to be awesome so yeah let's see how good Bottas is how disheartening for Bottas would that be if Russell just walks into the team and beats him <laughs> it could happen though fucking hell Bottas's confidence is so low at the moment so he's going to have to bring his A game I think to you know who knows yeah anyway cheers for tuning in I've waffled enough that was Harmonic Whiskey Tales and we'll be back with another episode soon cheers guys bye